Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tim Arroyo. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. We're going to get into this. I'm really excited. Uh, man, I'm just really stoked about the series that Jamie has had us in. It's kind of a series, this hometown revivalist, fire on the local altar series that we've been in. You guys have been enjoying this? It's just been awesome, man. And I, I have been so stirred. I mean, this really... Uh, is such a clear encapsulation of what is in our hearts. And I love the language that's being put around. Actually, y'all remember uh, Woody last week? How many of y'all love Woody? Come on, man. That dude. I love him. I love the diversity. He's, he's a little different than us. He's a throwback. But boy, if you could just hear. <laughs> Sorry. He is. He's awesome. I love Woody. If you could hear. The prophetic call, the exhortation in that message, boy, it just like struck me. It so aligns with where we're at as a family. Like I remember him saying like, this is the year, this is the time where you, speaking to every individual, go and take your mountain. And that's always true, right? Like that's like one of those things that's always true that the Holy Spirit is highlighting to us. But that's like exactly the language that I'm feeling, that we've all been feeling as a, as a pastoral staff, like over our community, that there would be a people that raised up, that are raised up, that don't have to go somewhere else to, to launch themselves into the fullness of what they're called to. Right? That we don't experience our greatest levels of impact on mission trips. But we experience them where we're from where we live, among the people that we're always around. And I think it's just so important. Like, I don't know about you, but there's one thing I don't want to become. It's a hindrance to the kingdom of God being established in the earth. Like, I don't want to be somebody that's actually working against what God is doing because I have Thoughts in my mind, worldview in my mind, an approach to life that exists inside of me that actually doesn't exist inside of God. There's ways of approaching life that come from my thought life, that come from my emotional life, my perceptions of the, of the surroundings around me that actually I end up at times even like working against what God is doing because there's not agreement in here. With him. And I talked this morning about this. It's almost like as I, as I got prepared, when I was thinking about this sermon series, it's almost like this sliding scale. And it's like on this side would be like the camp of the enemy and their job. All they want to do is actively destroy the kingdom of heaven. Steal, kill, destroy. That's all they want to do all the time, day and night, night and day. They're just the worst. Right? That's what they want to do. And then all the way on the other side of the scale would be the Lord and the angels and, you know, the church. And all we want to do all day is build the kingdom of God. And I actually don't think this place exists, but for the sake of the analogy, the middle would just be, like, non-impact, right? And our hope through this series is for us to just slide over a little further to this side, Right? 
that we're actually able to confront. I love what Jamie has been bringing up with us. I, I even wrote it down because I thought it was so good. Disappointment and discouragement as things that keep us from tending the fire on the family altar. Familiarity. Come on, y'all. Ooh, that one stung. And he talked about the ability to walk by the Spirit, not by sight. See, all of these things are like pins that need to be knocked down inside of us so that we can actually think correctly in agreement with the person of Jesus so that we can move a little closer on the scale. Does that make sense? And that's the heart. That's the ambition here. Again, I don't want to be somebody that works against the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward, not because I'm like, you know, in the camp of the enemy, but because I'm just over enough. There's just enough in here that doesn't quite line up with how he'd like me to view the world that it keeps me from going to that side of the scale. Right? It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much but a couple ideas or a lack of revelation in a couple places in our life to keep us kind of like here. And years will go by and we'll find ourselves looking back and like, man, I did a lot of the same stuff, but I don't know what I've built. Is that too real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll be more fake. I'm just kidding. And here's what I want to do today. I want us to talk about just one. Honestly, this might be a one-point sermon. Like, I love three points. I love five points. Give me 20 points. I don't care. It's not like a deer where you get more, you know, cred because there's more points. It's a sermon. I think I mostly have one point today. And, uh... Honestly, if we can all rally around and understand and walk out this one point, I think we're going to be a little further along on the scale. So if you want, why don't you turn to Psalm 16. And if you're one of those people that has like extra little tassels on your Bible, you can, you can also go to Numbers chapter 13. When you got it, say you got it. I heard one got it. Psalm 16, this is going to be our, our landing scripture. This is the revelation that I want us to get this morning. Verse 5, it says, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. Holy Spirit, we just ask that your word would become real to us right now in Jesus' name. O Lord, you, you God are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Now, I love this heart cry. I love where this starts, this relational place of like intimacy and just passion with the Lord. Oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. It's like, ah, all my sustenance, my enjoyment, my contentment, it all flows from you. I mean, that's just good right there. I mean, that's just, we'll just go home now. That's my one thought. Let's get out of here. <laughs> but listen to this transition of thoughts here. 
He goes from that enjoyment and that sustainment that comes, I don't know if sustainment's a word, but it is now, that sustaining from the Lord, and then he starts to shift, and he says, you, Lord, you maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And that word, lot, like, I actually want you to view that like the lot of your house. You all own a home. You're all in houses, and that home has a lot. Look at your neighbor and say amen. Some of you, it's acres. Some of you, it's square feet. I don't know what you have. I've got, I think, 0.37 acres. Woo! Let's go. Put my, come on now. <laughs> so ridiculous. But there's this interesting transition where David, from the place of contentment and enjoyment and declaration of love to the Lord, he says, you maintain my lot. He looked at the boundary lines of what was his. The dirt, the lines in the dirt, the people, the places, what was given to him. He says, oh, these lines have fallen in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. It's like he viewed the boundary lines of his life as a gift from God. That a part of, the, of God being the fullness of his inheritance and his cup, a part of that is him looking at his own hometown, the boundary lines of his own house, his own family, his own place of work. And he said, oh, this is such a good gift, Father. Let me tell you this. If you are here right now in Maine, wherever you live, and you're not here because, like, you're rebelling from the Lord and you need to, like, go back, you're, like, you're in Jonah's, you know, well, and you need to actually go somewhere else. If, you're, if that's you, you probably need to go wherever the Lord told you you're supposed to be. But if you're here right now where you live and you're doing so following the Lord, that means you are living in the inheritance and the gift that God has given to you as a part of your life. Everywhere you go is a gift from God to you. Some of you say, well, I was just born here, dude. My dad's dad lived in that shed over there. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't choose this place. I moved here for a job. Or some of you are like, yeah, I moved here to get away from human beings. Mainers, you know? But that's actually irrelevant. If the context of your life is faithfulness to Jesus and you're here right now in this place with these people, this is your lot. This is your inheritance. 
have the boundary lines fallen for you in pleasant places? No. You see, there's a change of perspective here that rather seeing your life simply through the natural circumstances that brought you here, we work for Hammond, we're contractors, we're mechanics, we're nurses, we're teachers, we're pastors, whatever it is, you know, I could look at the reason I'm here is my friendship that I had with Jamie and the Dixon family in Ohio, and that brought me here, and, and uh, well, I didn't, that's not initially, but now that's why I stay. My, Amanda waved at me, <laughs> my wife, Amanda, I was like, I was, that's why I stuck around, you know. <laughs> I didn't know you were here. If I'd have known, I'd have come sooner. <laughs> You just give a hand for my wife. She rips. She's awesome. Grateful. You know, if we could see rightly, if we could see truly through the lens, the glasses, as it were, that God would want to put on us every morning, we would look at the people, the places, the things, the circumstances around us, and we would see his love everywhere. <laughs> and we would see an inheritance from our father. See, I thought I just came here because I knew Jamie because my life was a mess and I thought Kim could help me fix it. And, you know, I, mean, I told some of my story a few weeks ago. You know, I, I didn't really understand this idea until I moved here. And I'm, you know, I'm a city boy. I'm from Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? It's a little different than Maine. But, dude, I fell in love with this place. 2009, I mean, we still had rope swings. You know, one Taco Bell, no Dollar General. And I, like, I mean, it was, like, late summer and then went to fall and a single pine cone would fall from a tree and I would just weep, you know. I loved this place, and I still do. I honestly, I just, I don't get over this kind of stuff very easily. Like, I just still feel like a tourist. I've been here for however long, 15 years. God. And I'm just so in love with this place because all of a sudden I realize, like, me being here, it's not just the circumstances of relationship. And yes, there was a calling and there was a ministry assignment, but beyond this church, this land, my story's written in the soil here. Not just in this building, but it's written in Martins, in Hannaford, in the gas station. It's written anywhere I am. Anywhere like that I live. Because I'm a hometown revivalist. Because I don't look just to the nations to see my inheritance. I walk out my door and I say, ooh, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. You see, if we could shift that perspective right there, here's what would happen. A change of perspective in this area would release gratitude. And gratitude will release thanksgiving. Thanksgiving will bring you into the courts of the Lord. We enter his courts through thanksgiving. 
And when you get in his courts and you get in his presence, what does it say? You fill me with joy in your presence. So you'll get joy. And that joy will be the strength that you need to overcome the obstacles that are laying within your inheritance to access the fullness. Let's rewind that. It starts with a change of perspective. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. You, God, not my parents, not my crazy life, not my job, you, God, established my lot in life. You did it, Lord. You could have put me anywhere, but you did it here. He could have put you anywhere. Do whatever he wants. If you're here, he chose it. We just don't think about this stuff. Like, oh, maybe there's a reason. <laughs> just like Mordecai said to Esther, approaching the king, maybe you were born for such a time as this. Maybe there's a reason that these people, these people are in this place right now. You know what's also cool? I didn't think about this till right now. Is the idea that we get to have a shared inheritance from our father. This land, this region, the people here, the reward of seeing the kingdom established here. It's like we're all kids that get to enjoy the inheritance. That's a fun idea. It's not just ours alone, but it's us as a community. A change of perspective should release gratitude. Gratitude will release thanksgiving. Thanksgiving will bring you into the courts of the Lord, and being in his presence will fill you with joy. And then you'll get strength, because his joy is your strength, to take on the obstacles that come with your inheritance. Yes. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. But Jesus Christ tends to wrap challenges and obstacles into your promises. Giants in the promised land. I mean, he told us all about it. And that's the story we're going to go to in Numbers 13. is a moment where Israel has been gifted a lot. The boundary lines for Israel had been laid out. A gift of a land, of a people, of an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was a real nation that God himself, from his heart, had gifted to Israel to have. Just like you in this place. So he literally, God, goes through a laundry list of incredible, supernatural, just like You've never seen before incredible acts to get Israel out of Egypt, out of oppression, into a place where they are about ready to cross into the promised gift, the inheritance. They are ready to roll. And so they send some spies to check it out. And they come back and they're like, y'all, the milk is there like they said. The honey flows, it rips. This place is everything God said it would be. But what he didn't tell us at the time was that there were going to be giants in the land. 
and almost everybody lost their mind. Literally, they start whining. Not whining, they are wailing before Moses, saying, we should have just stayed in Egypt and died. You should have left us in the wilderness and we would have died there. But now we're actually going to have to die by the swords of these giants. I would have rather stayed in a place where at least I had routine, at least I knew where my meal was coming from, and I had no responsibility to bring transformation or change of any kind. There was no obstacle to overcome. All I had to do was keep my head down and survive and spin my wheels until they stopped working and fell off. Giants are too scary. But then there's Caleb. We can take him. We got this. Now, Caleb doesn't respond this way to the giants of the land because he has confidence in the weaponry and the fighting skills of Israel. He's assuming that if God promised an inheritance and a land and a place, that even though it's actually impossible in every measurable way for Israel to beat all the giants and all the fortified cities, just like it's impossible in every measurable way for a teenager to fight and kill a lion, a bear, and a nine-foot grizzled veteran with a giant spear with nothing but a slingshot. But what Caleb did is assumed that if it was promised to us, that he'll help us. It's not my lot. It's his, given to me. And the responsibility on my life is to be willing to take on the obstacles that are wrapped up into my promise. But the problem is we feel like opposition is a sign from God that this isn't actually the thing. Or we're just too scared, you know? Imagine if Moses was like, you know what? I don't think Abraham heard right. Because there's opposition. And opposition is how you know this ain't it. I think Caleb knew that by every natural standard, it was going to be impossible for Israel to win every battle against these armies, against these fortified cities. But what Caleb had was a willingness to put himself out there in the attempt of seeing God do something that is impossible through his life. What did Jesus say? With man... This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. But deeper than that revelation is the revelation of this is my lot. Like, don't you think there would have been easy 
it would have been easy for them to become indifferent and meh towards the patch of land. But they're like, no, God gave this to us. Like, think about even our own lives and the revelation that these people, this time, this place, is a gift and an inheritance from the Father. Like, that was real. He literally, like, knew you before the foundations of the world, plugged you here, so excited. And then you see the response of most people. What does that do to the heart of a father who gave his own son that you would have an inheritance? Right? There's something there that's not a guilt trip. It's not like God's gaslighting you. But it's as a child, don't you just want to honor the heart of your father? Right? And I think that's kind of the revelation here that Caleb is walking in, that David walked in. Like, yo, this is not just some random patch of land that I've been given to you. Hey, Kingdom Life Church, Maine is not some random patch of land that you happen to be born into. I don't care if you're way up north, you're way down south, you're by the coast, wherever you are, wherever are the places and the spaces that you call home. Friends, that is God's cup poured out into your life of blessing. And the possibility here is that you actually have some giants, some obstacles. I mean, we could just look at the region, at the state of education, the state of the economy, the state of our government, the state of society, the state of the drug problem, the state of our families, the state of our homes, the state of so many things, and see them as obstacles that are just too challenging to overcome. But if you can actually come back to that perspective shift, get out of all the circumstances, out of all the reasons something can't work, and get yourself back to gratitude because your perspective is different. You are my inheritance, God. A part of that wonderful inheritance. Some of us just need to walk out of our back door and look at our 0.37 acres or a million acres, whatever you have, and just, God, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Some of us need to go to our jobs, take a moment, look at wherever you work. If you're a teacher, look at those kids. Like, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Friends, here's what we have. We have, right now, this time, this place, and these people. No, there's nothing else. I mean, there's God, you know. You have right now, right now. Look at me. You have right now. This place, if you're really called here, not this church, but this region. If you're called here, you have right now in this place, and you've chosen to do it with these people. It's time for us to kind of slide a little further on that scale. Not because we've been guilted into it, but because everywhere I look, I see the beauty of what God's given me. And I'm not going to let the fact that there's challenges in the promise lie to me. You know what those challenges are actually for? They're to form you to become somebody that can be an overcomer 
of things that are absolutely impossible on your own to overcome. You see, I don't want to be a part. There's a whole generation of people in this moment in Numbers that God, in response to their, we'll call it stinking thinking, he said, you know what? I'm not going to wipe all of you out. I'm not going to judge you because he had shown himself faithful over and over and over again. Signs and wonders on a scale that we've never seen before, right? And he said, I'm not going to destroy all of you because I made a promise. But it's going to take about 40 years for this whole generation of, of people, of Israelites that think this way. I'm going to wait till they've all passed on. And I'm going to wait till a new generation that thinks differently about my promise is ready to emerge and conquer and walk around Jericho seven times and scream and watch the walls fall down. Because what's impossible with man is possible with God because we've been given a beautiful inheritance and it's main. It's the people, it's this time, and it's this place. God is longing. There's going to be people from all over the world that come here. Just trust me. But the true vision of what God has put in our hearts isn't a movement of the church that's fueled by people from away. It's fueled by the people that stay. And that people would come from far and wide to see a group of people, a community that cracked the code on how to have revival where you're from. And Jamie has talked about so many dominoes that need to fall. Today's domino is that your life Again, I've, I've said this a billion times. I'm going to say it a billion more. Your life, the places, the timing, just the, 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 the things that make your life your life is your inheritance. And it is good. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Thanks for letting me go a little long today. We're going to have uh, prophetic teams and prayer teams. You can come on up if you want. And again, we're going to have our leaders in the conference room over there. We'd love to meet you and hang out, become best friends. <sighs> it's time to believe. It's time to believe. Can I tell you what you're not? You're not an orphan without an inheritance. You're not a child that's been left with nothing. But you've got a father who's given you everything. It's cute to say. It's a whole other thing to believe. Can we just hold our hands out before the Lord? Now if that struck your heart right there, this sense that I was actually born into a life that lacks. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
I was born into an unfair, unkind situation. In some ways, I'm sure for a lot of us, that is true. But that can't drown out the strength of your inheritance from the Father. In the midst of it, the call of God now is to look around you and see the beauty of what you've been given from him. (sighs) Well, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would teach us to believe. God, that you would teach us to take these principles of your word and believe them. God, that you would teach us to fall in love with our inheritance. God, I ask that you would help us to, that, that our speech and the words of our mouths would guide our hearts in this season. I'm usually not this guy, but some of you actually need to stop agreeing with some of the joking, silly narratives about Maine in your speech. And some of you actually, there's like a seed of belief and faith in the worst parts of this place that you've actually allowed access in your heart. And it takes you from delighting in the fullness and the beauty of what God has given you. So Lord Jesus, thank you that I get to be here. Thank you for these people, this time, this place. Lord, I ask that you would restore the joy of having an inheritance in this room right now. Father, that you would restore and awaken the joy of having an inheritance right now. I can hear hearts saying right now, but I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't behave well enough to have such a great inheritance like this person or this preacher, the guy with the microphone or Dustin. I didn't behave well enough. Uh-uh. Jesus purchased your inheritance for you. And yes, it's your job to steward it. It's your job to face the giants in your life, the giants around you. But everybody gets an inheritance in the Father's house. Everybody. Every single one of you. So Lord, I declare right now, we're going to leave soon, that every part of our lives that feels visionless and purposeless. Father, I declare that now it would shift into a direction that comes from delight. Every part of our lives that feels like a time waster, that feels like, ah, we're just tail spinning. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. We've lost sight of the beauty of our inheritance, even if it's not immediately the answer to what you're looking to get yourself into, but that you would see what God is doing in this season of your life. And I declare that you all are going to be like heat-seeking missiles to the will of God for your life. That you are going to be like bloodhounds, just literally sniffing out, aha, this is what the Lord's doing right now, because you are convinced he's doing something. So we honor you, Jesus. We thank you for a fire to get set in our homes and in our cities. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.